Welcome to the Management Minute with Dr. Donita Brown, where we sit down with business leaders to gain valuable insights and advice on how to navigate the world of management. Whether you're a seasoned manager or just starting out, this podcast is for you. I'm Donita Brown, a professor in the College of Business at Lipscomb University. I'm also an author, speaker, and habit coach. For almost 20 years, I worked in corporate America and managed teams of two to 102. Welcome to this week's episode. Today's guest is Christine Skold. Christine, thank you for being here. I'm happy to be here. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, let's dive into your one-sentence bio. Now, I'll warn you, few people can actually give a one-sentence bio, so let's hear yours. Well, it's a sentence, but it's a lot of commas. Okay. Well, that um, works. So, you know, my life started, obviously, as a daughter and a sister, a friend, a peer and mentor, a wife, a pet parent, and then a parent of one child. And now I have the great privilege of working at Goodwill Industries of Middle Tennessee as the chief financial officer. That is great. And that's a, that was one sentence, but there were a lot of commas in that. <laughs> yep. So it was a great yep. bio. Thank you. Are you ready to get to question number one? Yeah. All right. How do your values impact your management philosophy? My values were instilled in me by my parents at a very early age and were constantly reinforced. And they pertain to hard work, high expectations, and family. And along with that, independent thinking. So my natural tendency is to solve a problem. And I work really hard when someone comes to me with a question or a problem or a situation to say, what would you do? What are you thinking? How would you like to approach it? So that there's providing some value in their work and they understand that their opinion should be part of the solution. And not only does it do that, but it, it brings more opinions and more ideas into the discussion so that when we d- decide the next path, there's um, been collaboration in deciding that. So the, the values of hard work and high expectations caused balance to come in as a value later in my career. And not only work and family. So for a while, you have that two-sided scale of work and family. But I added a a three-legged stool to add myself, my relationships, my personal health, fitness, and, and mental health. And that definitely came quite a bit later in my career. And what I try to tell people starting out in management is you're never, that scale's never going to be balanced. There's always going to be one facet of that stool that's getting more attention at any given time. But over the course of a week, or a month, you should be able to look back and see that you gave the right amount of time to the things that are most important to you. That is really great. You know, I often have said trying to seek balance is a farce, right? Like you will always be unhappy if you try to keep everything perfectly balanced. And I believe you should be off balance on purpose. Like sometimes Mm. I'm more about work. Sometimes like in the summer, as a college professor, I don't work. And so I can be all about my family. But I think trying to continually seek that work-life balance really makes you uneasy. And right. I, I like how you said that balance came later. So is there some lesson or story that you can tell us about how you found that you needed that three-legged stool analogy in your life? Well, the the first round of balance was obviously when I had a child and mm. had a husband that traveled. And so all of a sudden, my days and nights weren't about me and I couldn't work as late as I wanted or go out, you know, and, and socialize if I needed to get home. And so you start creating balance out of necessity sometimes. And then I'd say there was no trigger for kind of self-care other than just maturity and realizing that you can't take care of others. You can't be effective at work. You can't be effective at home if you're not taking care of yourself. And I'd say that's just a factor of that being more of a concept 
than it used to be, you know, even 10, 15 years ago, there wasn't a lot of emphasis on self-care. And as that's become more visible, it's definitely become a priority for me as well. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So as a CFO, you're highly analytical. How do you make sure that you are taking care of yourself? Well, it's funny you say that because it's scheduled, right? Oh, I can't do, I can't do a video exercise class. I have scheduled classes or I know, you know, I'm going to go into work a little bit late because I'm going to get up early and run in the morning. So I definitely schedule it. I send out, I'm the one that sends out texts to friends saying, hey, can we get together for lunch or brunch this weekend? So you're right. There's not a lot of spontaneity. It's definitely, I I work it in and make sure that I, I get it done. You can't just hope it's going to happen. You can't just hope that there's going to be some magic bullet that's going to create that balance that you need. You have to be very deliberate. I love it. I love it that you make sure that you get it done Mm because taking care of yourself is important. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for question number two? Sure. Okay. Who or what has had the most impact on your management style? I've got who's and what's. The who's, there's obviously always great examples of management and leadership, and there's things you learn from the way you've been treated that you know not to continue that behavior. And The positive influence is, I'm going to tell a story because it illustrates the concept so much better than I could try to do on my own. When I first started work, about a month out of college, I was at Arthur Anderson, which was a public accounting firm. And if you didn't have a client to go to, you sat in a bullpen and you were in, you were called unassigned, which is a, you know, great description. And if there's someone needed something in the office, they would come and they would find you and they'd give you that task. So I'm about a month out of college and I'm unassigned and a manager walks up to me and he says, we have a client who's being sued and they, their attorneys came in and they flagged all these pages of our work papers. So I need you to make copies of those so that we can help our client defend themselves in their lawsuit. So I picked up those papers and I marched to the copy room and I made copies and I helped my client defend themselves. And he could have just as easily said, I need you to make copies of these binders. And, you know, those binders would have been 10 pounds heavier. My walk would have been that much slower. And I would have produced the same result, copies in the binders, but I wouldn't have known the value and the purpose of my work. And Mm. so I try really hard when I ask people for things to tell them why. This is what I'm looking at. This is what I'm trying to figure out. Can you do, you know, run this, these numbers for me or pull this together so we can work on it? And not only does that add value to their work, but again, it creates another perspective. And and if they know what I'm trying to solve or work on, they're going to bring a different perspective to it than I might just by asking them for numbers and taking them, you know, at their face. What a great lesson to learn a month after you graduated from college, the importance of your work and how that matters. So as a CFO of a large corporation, how do you make sure you take the time? Because that takes time. I mean, it's a lot easier just to tell somebody, I need you to do this. But how do you make sure that you build in the time to tell people why their work is important? You know, it's, it's ingrained in me. It's, mm. it's something that I've made important and that I, I make sure I do. But I've also before gone back and said, hey, I forgot to tell you why we're doing this. So mm. I need to make sure you understand why we're doing it. So if I, if I didn't take the time, I will go back and make sure that I've taken the time if I happen to have forgotten. That's great. And then where I learned to not emulate behavior was around delegation. So I had a manager that delegated, but then redid everything. So 
didn't didn't take the time to explain what he was looking for. It didn't matter if it was a document or a spreadsheet or a presentation. Anything you did, you knew was going to be redone, mm-hmm. which which results in you providing not your best work because you could spend an hour on it or you could spend fifteen minutes on it. And so I've learned to accept what I get and one, the importance of delegation. And then two, they might do it differently or they might word it a little differently or they might come at it differently. But if it's good and it got to where you needed to go, you have to be willing to take a different work product if you're going to delegate the work. And that's not to say if it's not right or if it's not good quality, but then you go back to them and you work together to improve it and make it the right quality. You don't just fix it yourself and move on, which just sends a message that people can give you whatever they want, and you're going to fix it and move on anyway. Yeah, you know, it's so demeaning when you're asked to do something and you know it's always going to be redone. I worked for a boss that did the exact same thing. And I can remember my coworkers and I saying, it doesn't really matter what you send him. I mean, he's just going to redo it. So you're right. I never did my best work when I sent him a presentation that I knew he was going to to redo. We called it rearranging chairs on the Titanic. He's going to rearrange everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then the what is servant leadership. So I worked in an organization that taught servant leadership, and that's around putting your team and the organization first over your own objectives and putting the needs of others above your own and really ties into asking someone, you know, what would they think or what would they do and just making sure that people feel feel valued as a team. There's nothing I would ask someone to do that I either haven't already done in my career or be willing to do today. I don't I don't see people who report to you as task people. I see them as part of the team and, and we're all willing to do whatever it takes to meet those goals. Well, that goes back to what you said earlier about making sure that the purpose of the work is communicated. Well, right. thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Before we get to the next question, let's pause for a quick message. Are you ready to become the leader you've always wanted to be? Then join us for 24-7 Leadership's Power Talk series. Leaders never rest. They lead all the time, 24-7. In this dynamic training, you'll master the essential communication and thinking skills to showing up as a leader you envision every single day. Learn to be fully present with yourself and others, to listen deeply, and to create lasting developmental alliances with your team. Who could benefit from this transformational training, you ask? Well, anyone leading a team, from new managers to seasoned CEOs. Past participants rave about these coaching skills and how they positively impacted both their personal and professional lives. So don't wait. Unleash your leadership potential today with 24-7 Leadership's Power Talk series. Visit our website, 247leadership.org, to learn more and sign up today. 24-7 24-7 Leadership is powered by the College of Business. Are you ready for question number three? Sure. All right. What book has made the biggest impact on you? I am, I've had a lot of great leadership trainings, and I am not a big leadership reader. I don't read a lot of books on on management or on leadership. I gravitate towards historical fiction and particularly historical fiction with a strong female character who's overcome some sort of barrier that's often been brought on by their gender. Two of my favorites are uh, one is The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna, which was set in France during World War II. And then The Rose Code by Kate Quinn. And that's about the woman of Bletchley Park in World War II who, because the men were all at war, they were recruited to come in and break enemy codes in Great Britain and help assist with a spy network in the war. And it's really, it's based on a true story. Bletchley Park actually existed and it's a really inspiring story. 
Those both I have never heard of, so I've written them down because I'm going to put those on my list to read. Thank Great. you. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing those two. All right. Are you ready for my favorite part of the podcast? Sure. Okay. So you're going to get 60 seconds, rapid fire questions. You get to pass on one of those questions, and your goal is to make me run out of questions. Okay. Are you, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. What's the last thing you do at night? Brush my teeth. What would the title of your memoir be? She Lived. If you had unlimited money to start a business, what would it be? It's a fitness store. What's your favorite article of clothing? Shoes. Do you think good people can do bad things? Yes. Have you ever been in a food fight? No. Do you like cheese or butter more? Butter. What rules do you try to break? I jaywalk a lot. Do you count your missed calls? No. What's your quirkiest hidden quality? Singing. Who knows you best? My husband. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Retired on some sort of nice vacation. What's your favorite color? Green. What makes you feel unstoppable? Knowledge. What's your biggest fear? Spiders. Hey, you did really good. Yeah, thank you. I got to the end of my page. Oh, so wow. That was, that was really good. You, you were on it. I love it. Sometimes I, love it. I question some of those answers, but, uh, you know, it's what pops in your head. That's right. That's right. You can't overthink that one. Right. Yeah. 60 seconds and it goes by so fast. Mm-hmm. All right. Parting advice for a manager. What's the best advice you can give to a manager? I'd say speak up and know that you have value. If Often when you're new in a a meeting or you're a younger manager and there's people in there that have had more experience than you, you tend to listen and not speak and recognize that you're in that room for a reason. You were brought in there for the experiences you bring and the contributions you've made. And if you don't speak up and share those opinions, then you aren't really part of the solution. I would also say self-advocate. So my job before Goodwill, I was there for 15 years and I had eight different titles. And it's because I made sure people were aware that I was willing to try new things, that I had, you know, things I'd like to accomplish. And I created advocates, but if you don't advocate for yourself and make sure people know what it is you're you're wanting to do with your career, you're missing out on an opportunity to grow. Yes, those are both great. You know, I, I wish I could go back to early in my career and tell myself to speak up. Because oftentimes I would leave meetings and think, you know, the people that spoke weren't any smarter than I was. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I would have said something. And I, I can't think of a time when I regretted speaking in a meeting, especially maybe the first five years right. that I worked. Like, I, w- I wish I would have talked more. Now, that is not the case. I probably Same. need to talk less. Same. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I early in my career. That, that was great advice. Christine, thank you so much for being this week's guest. Thank you. I've really appreciated this and it's made me kind of rethink and and step back and remember those management skills that you should be working on every day. Thank you. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to the Management Minute. We hope you enjoyed this week's interview. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend or colleague. If you have suggestions for future guests, please send me their contact information to donita.brown at lipscomb.edu. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you. This podcast is powered by the College of Business Content Creation Studio at Lipscomb University.